I'm Emily. And I'm Hannah. We are best friends and dietitians. We have a goal of challenging nutrition misinformation and fitness trends with an evidence-based approach. Each episode, we will dish up our thoughts about the latest facts on a popular health-related topic. We're the Upbeat Dietitians. Hello, guys. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Upbeat Dietitians podcast. We are getting back into our, I was going to say guest train, but that just sounds stupid. We have guests back on the podcast now. We took a little Yay. hiatus from it. Just too many like life events for Emily and I going on the last few months that it was just hard to also throw some guests in there and get our schedules to all work out. So we took a little break, but we are back and bringing our hiatus to an end is Allison Mandel. Allison's a friend that we met recently at a nutrition conference. She is a non-diet health at every size aligned and weight inclusive registered dietitian. She works as an eating disorder dietitian at a partial hospital and intensive outpatient program in New Jersey during the day. And as a remote dietitian for a private practice at night, as an undergrad, she completed a dual degree in nutrition and psychology. And she later completed her master's at Rutgers university where she wrote her thesis, exploring the relationships of psychological care characteristics and disordered eating behaviors with dieting among college students. Allison specializes in eating disorders, disordered eating, and intuitive eating. She started her career working with adolescents and young adult women with eating disorders at a residential treatment facility in New Jersey. Passionate about helping other humans heal and normalize their relationship with food in their bodies, Allison believes that food is so much more than nutrition. Food is an experience and a way to connect with others and make memories. We are so excited for you to listen to this episode. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. It feels like forever since we've had a guest on here. So we are so excited to bring Allison on. She's going to talk about a really awesome topic today. And let's get right into it. Allison, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate you being here. I'm so excited that this all worked out. Let's get right into it. Tell us about you. We'll give a little backstory because sometimes we talk about how we know each other. We met Allison in this past at this past Fincy 2022 in Florida. Another very similar minded dietitian like us who preaches haze, intuitive eating, food freedom, all the fun stuff. And she just all clicked. And we also know um, Chelsea. Chelsea was on here as well. I was say, we should mention Chelsea. <laughs> Listeners know Chelsea. Yeah. So go listen to Chelsea's episode and then listen to, as you're listening to Allison's, not, not at the same time. <laughs> um, but we all hung out together. I don't, I don't know if they care to hear that. <laughs> They're dying to <laughs> That's know. That's how we met. They're dying to know. They want to know our, our dietitian social lives. So anyway, Allison, let's talk about you. Walk us through what do you do for work, a day in the life, previous education, hobbies, anything you want to share for you. Okay, cool. So I am an eating disorder registered dietitian. I spend my days working at a PHP IOP program, so a partial hospitalization and an intensive outpatient program. And then two nights a week, I do remote nutrition counseling for a uh, private practice that is based in Connecticut, which is kind of a new thing for me right now, but I really, really like it. So I'm happy about that. I am, yes, like you said, an intuitive eating, hazel-lined, anti-diet registered dietitian, and I'm sure just like you guys, that is not stuff that you learned in school. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I learned all of that actually while I was, well, actually it was like previously before graduate school, I was like going back to school. So actually, this is a great time to kind of introduce why I'm so knowledgeable about this specific topic. So to make a long story short, I spent um, an extended period of time in undergrad because of my disordered eating, eating disorder ways. And when I graduated school, 
I got a bachelor's degree in nutrition and psychology. And when I left school, I wasn't able to become a dietitian because my GPA was, you know, for lack of better words, like completely shit um, because of my inability to use my brain because I was barely eating in undergrad. And by the time that I finally got you know, my shit together, it was too late. And so when I graduated school, I spent about two years serving, kind of really trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I remember this distinctly because this was just like my aha moment that I, um, when I was serving, I had a manager who, and I'm forgetting how this kind of discussion came about, but she basically said to me that, you know, her father wouldn't pay for school unless she lost weight. And for some reason, I mean, that's incredibly problematic, but <laughs> for some reason that was just like my aha moment. And I was just like, what the fuck are you doing, Allison? Go back to school. You want to be a dietitian. And, you know, I could never really see myself being anything but that. So, you know, thankfully I had a pretty um, good rapport with um, the didactic director um, at Rutgers because she had been a previous professor and when I decided to go back to school, I had emailed her. I was like, you know, I found this certification program at another school and I wanted to get her thoughts on it. And so then I went to go go see her. And it had been like over two years since I had seen her. And when I went back, she was basically telling me that I could come back to school as a non-matriculating student, take the courses that I needed to apply for the dietetic internship and like that was great. And so I went back to school, ended up doing a lot better than I think anyone thought that I would do considering my, my, um, my past as an undergrad. And, you know, they asked me to stay on, um, for graduate school and my dietetic internship. And uh, that's kind of where I started learning more about intuitive eating and anti-diet and and haze and all of that not because of school but because of the stuff that I started doing outside of that um and I ended up getting a job as a, as a dietary aide at a residential eating disorder facility which I ended up spending about two and a half years working at not only as a dietary aide but also as an, a dietitian and that kind of strengthened my knowledge you know, within eating disorders, but also because of the amazing dietitians that I worked with, you know, I just learned so much about intuitive eating and anti-diet and all of that. And, you know, that's kind of how I ended up, you know, just knowing everything that I do about that type of stuff. And I guess going back to how I know Chelsea, um, the whole anti-diet haze thing kind of clicked for me when I started listening to, um, then drunk dietitians, now with the actual fork pod. And that podcast just got me to see that there was just another way to live. And I think it now was maybe a year and a half ago. I'm forgetting the timeline, but um, Chelsea, the podcast manager needed help on the podcast and I DM'd her and we got to talking. And so now I help out with the social media for that podcast, but now we're friends and that's how we all know each other. So small world. <laughs> such a small a world a small world we're hoping right? to have jenna and sam on the podcast because i mean it's just like we have to at this point like we all like kind of know each other it's the whole thing so yeah no they're pretty awesome funny. but i mean i guess besides you know working and and doing all of that i like i love listening to podcasts i mean i love what the actual fork pod i love maintenance phase that's another one of my favorite podcasts um what else do I like to do? I like to read. I've started getting really into reading fiction books. And I have like in the past couple of months, I don't know why I just like have completely like dived right into that. And so now all I do is read on my Kindle. So I mean, I like doing that too. And trying new foods. And yeah, I think that's all I can really think of right now. <laughs> Sums it up. Well, thank yeah. you so much for sharing that whole story about your history of disordered eating and eating disorders and going through college with all of that. I mean, it's hard enough in dietetics as we all three know, but it's even harder when you have anything else going on health related to it. I can only imagine how much difficult, more difficult that was for you. So thank you for sharing all that. It's very vulnerable. 
Um, well, that does make total sense why this is like your topic. Like this is your thing. And we cannot wait to hear your expertise on this. And I'm sure your clients totally relate to this too. And like really appreciate having someone who has been in their shoes. I'm sure in a lot of ways, um, people tend to really appreciate that from their dietitian. So anyway, let's get right into it. Let's talk about for those maybe who are tuning in and they're hearing us throw the words around of disordered eating and eating disorders. They may be wondering like what the difference is. I don't think it's really talked about very much actually like the difference there. So will you please break that down for us? Sure. So, you know, disorder eating and eating disorders are two separate, they are two separate things, but they are both equally serious. So, um, and I know this definition really, really well, because this is what I did my thesis on, but um, so disordered eating is kind of described as like a wide range of irregular eating behaviors. And that's the definition in the DSM-5 or the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual um, that's used to diagnose psychological mental health illnesses. Um, So when it comes to disordered eating, these behaviors may not justify a, a clinical diagnosis, but like I said, they are super serious. So disordered eating can, you know, range from you know, binge eating, frequent dieting, cutting out food groups, um, you know, not being able to really think about anything but food or having to rearrange your day-to-day life because you need to get to the gym. Um, it could be, you know, um, you know, anxiety related to certain foods or food groups or even cutting out foods or food groups because they're you know, and I'm using quotations, but good or bad. Um, So with eating disorders, those are clinically diagnosed mental health disorders. And in order to be diagnosed with an eating disorder, uh, you need to meet certain criteria that's in the DSM as well. And, you know, the DSM itself is super problematic, but unfortunately, that's what we have to use. And so with eating disorders, there's anorexia, there's restricting type or binge purge type. Um, Then you have bulimia, um, OSFED or other specified feeding and eating disorder, um, ARFID, or I think it's it's avoidant restrictive food intake disorder, um, and then binge eating disorder. So that's kind of like the difference. Like one is... uh, that you need to meet by specific criteria in the DSM and the other one, you know, you don't have that criteria, but they are both serious. You know, I kind of like to say that, you know, with disordered eating, if you don't catch it and you don't address it, then it can turn into an eating disorder. Thank you for that. I feel like that's a good and very nice breakdown of everything. And I don't know too much about the DSM so and why it's problematic, but that is not why we're here today. I feel like <laughs> we, we could probably do a, maybe an entire episode on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like how you broke it down. I know that like people hear those phrases and they're kind of like, and I feel like oftentimes the disordered eating gets put down as like, oh, I don't have an eating disorder. So it's not as serious when that's not the case. And it very much could, those disordered eating behaviors could lead to an eating disorder and it's important it gets addressed. Let's dive a little bit specifically into like your situation and the topic for today. So is there any type of correlation between disordered eating and or eating disorders with or in college students? So... Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> um, so like I mentioned. End episode. <laughs> I um I actually did my master's thesis looking at disordered eating and psychological risk factors in the college population. And, you know, I kind of knew this before because it's what I went through myself, but there is a strong correlation with that. Um, So 
I mean, it also kind of makes sense, right? You're going to college, regardless of where you go, it's a new environment, you have different stressors, whether it's like academic or financial or social, or, you know, it's your first time away from home most of the time, regardless of where you're going. You have new friend groups, you want to fit in, maybe you now have, I guess, a say of when you eat or what you eat, depending on what your home life situation was. And so that's kind of like a a perfect storm, so to speak, for an eating disorder to start coming to the surface because it's not what, like the new environment is not what caused the eating disorder, but it kind of just like makes the, it could trigger something. And that's what could make the eating disorder come to the surface. So just from doing my own research, you know, it, it was kind of estimated that, you know, 67% of college age women engage in disordered eating behaviors and, you know, four to 9% of those college students are commonly diagnosed with an eating disorder. So, you know, there is that, that correlation with that. And it's just very prevalent within the college population. And, you know, when it comes to disordered eating or even an eating disorder, those are maladaptive coping strategies for something. You know, it's a way to, to deal with something really uncomfortable or really stressful. And when we think about college, you know, college can be really stressful. Um, so it's definitely super prevalent within that population. Um, you know, when it comes to, you know, stress and eating disorder symptoms, you know, that onset of those have really been associated with with the college population because of everything that's been that 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 can go on, and unfortunately, you know, within diet culture and this the lovely society we live in, um, diet culture can become really prevalent within the college within just the college environment and so itself, whether or not it's you know, you're doing sports or you're, you join Greek life or, you know, you are trying to offset and I'm putting quotes here, the freshman 15. Um, so like, those are all really problematic things that, that can trigger an eating disorder because of, you know, body dissatisfaction that might come to the surface. Um, and like I said, wanting to fit in all of those things and, you know, it's it's unfortunate that it's so prevalent within that, that population. Yeah, I was dying to ask you about the freshman 15 and how that played a role, because I think that's in my brain, like the most obvious glaring one that I think of when I think of like disordered eating and college students. It's just I like know. it's talked about so frequently, like whether it's from it's parents or peers, it's just it's talked about so commonly. It's so problematic and I really hate it so much because honestly, when I was a freshman, I'm going to age myself, but when I was like, oh my God, over 10 years ago, like I had that in my mind of like, okay, Allison, you're, you, you're going away to school. You need to make sure that you don't gain weight. And I was like, I had an eating disorder when I was in high school, but that kind of transpired into disordered eating afterwards. And I remember distinctly like sitting, not even sitting, I was in my freshman dorm room with my roommate when I had gone away to school. Um, and I was doing um, insanity. I don't know if you guys know what insanity is, but it, mm -hmm. it, was, it was it was insane. Like I did it every single day for like 90 days because I needed to be active or I was going to spin classes at the, the school's gym because I wanted to make sure that my binge drinking the night before or the binge drinking that I was planning to do later on in the day like didn't make me fat and just thinking about how problematic that is it's just insane to me because that went on for so many years even when I like transferred out of my school for failing out for not doing well like I'd still spent so much time in the gym and skipping classes mm -hmm. and doing all of that because I wanted to look good. Just stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Just stupid right now to even think about. Yeah. But it's so crazy how like 
in the moment and in that environment, it's so normalized, especially like when you mentioned the drinking, that was, it was so crazy. Like I know like our, I'm Hannah's college lives. Like we would like hear people like skipping meals because they're going to drink later or like, Oh, I have to like work out more because I drink or what. Uh, and it's just, no one challenges that it's, it's just how it is unfortunately and that mindset is deep rooted in the college environment it is because of those slick flyers that are posted like in the gym like don't gain weight or you know unfortunately like in our own profession like in our schooling we we learn that you need to eat healthy that I feel like it's our professors who are kind of crusading that like against that freshman 15 type of stuff. And unless you know better, you do it and you talk about it and you just make, you just perpetuate the problem. It just makes it so much worse. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Emily and I have both shared with our listeners, like our experiences too in college. I think we both struggled in our own ways too. Like I know I had like our dorm rooms are so tiny, but I like had to have my scale in there. Like in the little amount of room that I had, I had my scale that I got on every single morning and I became super obsessed with going to the gym. Speaking of drinking, because I could never skip a day and take a day off and, you know, allow my body to rest. One time I literally went to the gym, even though I was like ill from drinking too much the night before, but mm-hmm. no days off, like oh can't God. do that. Like it's, it's our insane. brains, like the way they think about things not only in college, but I mean, they're all stages of life for different people. It's just, it's, it stinks that we can get to that place. It really does. And now that you say that now I get, have like flashbacks Yeah. my, this wasn't even, I mean, I was still in school because I was an undergrad for so long, but my sister's bachelorette weekend, we were in ocean city, Maryland, and we got we drank a lot the night before and I still insisted on going to the gym the next day. And I was like sweating out tequila. Like, <laughs> Exactly. I'm sure the whole, like it's called the co-rec at Purdue. I'm sure the whole co-rec could just like smell me from like a mile away. It's so dumb. Emily, you weren't there. No, it was me. I don't want to name names actually, but it was two of our friends. I'll tell you off air um, that came okay. with me. They were not ill so I don't know why they came I I don't know I'm like getting all these flashbacks to Allison it's so funny like you're bringing up all these memories it's just so crazy yeah oh like all of these little flashbacks of being in my undergrad classes like whether or not I was oh I felt I, I feel so bad now for the crap I used to do like taking fish with me into my classes because I had to eat fish or oh my gosh drinking protein shakes like in my class, in the classes, like, like running from the gym to class that way, I was able to kind of get to class kind of on time, but oh my God, no wonder I did. No wonder my GPA was so crappy. Yeah. And that's what happens, right? It's, there's so much research now saying that, or just even showing that, you know, the more that you pay attention or the more obsessed that you become with body image or the more entrenched you become with disordered eating, you know, you don't, you're not able to pay attention in school because all you're thinking about is food. And it makes so much sense. And something that I learned actually, when I went back to school is that, you know, your body needs a certain amount of carbohydrates just for your brain to process just for your brain. Yeah. And if you don't get that, then you, no wonder you can't think or do anything. And like there's, it's science. There's a reason behind it. I know. It's just such a shame that we didn't learn more about like what you just said, like how many grams of carbs our brain alone needs. Like you would, you would think, and maybe there's some programs that do do this that are different than ours, but we didn't learn that kind of stuff. Like we were learning about BMI and ideal body weight and Mm. that kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. We have a whole episode literally with that title. Our listeners know our thoughts on BMI. Don't worry. Um, but it's, it, I wish that we could have learned those things more in college too, which Emily and I plan to have episode on that topic as well with a, hopefully a special guest, but, um, anyway, uh, um, kind of tied to this one more quick question along like the lines of like disordered eating in college. Is there a certain type of 
I guess, eating disorder, like actual diagnosed eating disorder that is the most common in college students? So from the research that I did do, it was found that binge eating disorder is actually the most common and the most prevalent eating disorder within the college population. And I mean, I guess you can kind of speculate for a variety of reasons why that might be the case, but from what I found that that's the most prevalent eating disorder. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. It's just so crazy how (laughs) I'm thinking about like how we're talking about how we wish like our programs discuss these topics more, but I'm thinking about like the students that don't have like, they aren't pursuing nutrition no prior nutrition background and they're just like in the college environment and they're just like living in it and just observing everything going on and I like in my mind I'm like call to action we need we need advocacy we need people bringing up these things but I feel like mental health is something that has been slowly growing more at colleges and like the access to therapists, but I, I know at Purdue, our caps, like our main mental health center was always like, there was a wait list and it was hard to get into. And even then I like heard about some of the experiences people had there and it was, there was a wide variety. I, I also went there so I can speak out that I had good experiences, but I know that some people didn't. And they did have a section for eating disorders, but I feel like since we talked about how much it was normalized, people might not think that they have a problem that they need to go. It's it's like because people praise those those behaviors, right? So oh yeah. It's like when someone decides to say, like, oh, I am dieting for this, or no, I can't eat that because I need to fit into a dress for whatever formal, whatever goes on in college. I don't know. I was a terrible student. I don't exactly know what happened. But it's like those, those behaviors are praised, right? So it's what people think that they're healthy and they're normal. And there is nothing normal about fasting. There's nothing normal about spending three hours at the gym because, and then skipping events or not being able to literally think about anything else other than food like that's not normal and it's just so unfortunate that it is so normalized um within our society Uh, yes I like I'm just getting more flashbacks I was I just remembered (laughs) that like I was I spent a lot of time at Purdue's gym was like kind of my thing which was encouraged by others who were like wow you're so dedicated you know that whole thing um but that meant I was I hate the D word. Gosh, don't get me started. Or discipline. Which one do you hate more? Oh my gosh, you're so right. But I was surrounded, of course, in that environment by people who like were really into like bikini competitions, which that could be a whole can of worms to get into. I was like dead set on doing a bikini competition. Emily, do you remember this when I like thought I was going to do this? I Yes, I, I did one. You did, did actually, do one? I did like five or six of them. Oh, yeah. No way. Yeah. Yeah, way. Oh my god. What? When did you like during college? In undergrad. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Like I thought I was gonna have the time for that. Like I was double majoring. I worked like three jobs at a time. Like, okay. That's crazy. I I mean I I chose the bikini competition over my my GPA. So yeah. How was oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I'm dying to know more about that, but I won't make you go into that because I'm sure it's a whole thing. But Yeah. Like, because I was surrounded by those who were doing that, I thought that I also had to do it because that's like what, like the perfect health gym goer person would do, you know, or just so easily influenced sometimes, especially at that age, like when your frontal lobe is not fully developed, you're just trying to like figure out who you are. And I thought I was going to be a bikini competitor, which who knows, maybe I end up, no, I'm never going to do that. Let's be honest. (laughs) I'm never going to do that, but like, yeah, yeah, gosh. My brain is like being flooded with memories today. This has been, this has been crazy. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's crazy to me that I thought that, and I thought that I could continue on with going to school and doing all of that stuff and and still do bodybuilding competitions. And 
no yeah at all it's just crazy to me that that's like what I used to like I have done probably <clears throat> like every diet out there mm. and uh, it's just stupid to me the stuff well, that my body through I know and I know we have so many listeners that are like listening like yes 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 like I totally relate and so I want to go on to our next part which is whether it's someone listening who's like a college age student a high school student or older um and you can definitely specifically talk to college age that's what we're here to talk about today mm-hmm. but I guess generally speaking too like what are signs and symptoms for our listeners to kind of take note of um because I don't want them to be in our shoes where we're looking back five, 10 years later being like, oh, I wish I would have recognized that then. So what can they maybe be aware of um, that could be a sign of disordered eating or potentially an eating disorder? I feel like the first thing that kind of really sticks out to me is cutting food out, cutting out a food group or cutting out a food. And this is not if you're allergic, if you have an allergy, don't have it. But you know, if you're just cutting food out or you're cutting out a food group or you're skipping meals um, or you're fasting, you know, because you think it's healthy quotes or you have constant fatigue and brain fog. Um, chances are that there might be some disordered eating behaviors going on, but, you know, without really knowing your history or knowing what's really going on with you, like, it's hard for me to just say like, oh, that's disordered, but you know, just, I feel like being honest with yourself can be really helpful too. Um, I think skipping classes is probably a big one also. If you're skipping classes to go to the gym or you're skipping or you're sleeping in because you're so tired because you're not eating enough, um, just different things like that. And, you know, it's, it's funny that you ask that because um, after my thesis defense, um, someone on my committee actually asked me, like, how, how can this be prevented? Or how can, you know, professors or instructors at school, like, how can they help their students? Or what can they really notice? And I just, and they, they all knew my history about it. Um, and I kind of just said, like, if you notice that you have students who their grades are slipping, or if they're not showing up to class, or, you just notice that something's off, maybe just saying something. Because I know for me, if someone noticed, if someone just said like, hey, Allison, your your grades are slipping a little bit, or Allison, like you're not showing up for class. So I've noticed you missed a couple classes. What's going on? Just like that, that attention, that little attention to detail can definitely go a long way. So even if you're not the one who's going through it, but you have a friend or a sibling or just someone that you know in your class and you notice that something is going on with them, you can ask them. You can ask, how can I support you? You don't have to go out and say like, hey, I think you're being disordered, but you know, you can say like, hey, I noticed that, yeah, I noticed X is going on. Um, are you okay? Just doing something like that can be really helpful. It That's does go a long way. Yeah. 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 I, I, I like that. <laughs> snaps. There we go. (laughs) We uh, talked about the issue. We provided examples and you gave us something to work on. We love a tangible takeaway. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Where are some of the places, like if people do some self-reflection, they realize that maybe some of these behaviors aren't the healthy, healthiest um the h word and quotes, the d word like, i know like, <laughs> healthy health saying healthy nowadays like what does it mean like, <laughs> someone uh, actually asked me at work the other day like like how like how do you define health and i was like a really loaded shit yeah, and yes. worms yes <laughs> yeah but say someone wants to look into getting help themselves wants to find help for someone else if they don't know where to go and they're feeling really stuck what are some places for them to start like who should they work with resources anything you have to share yeah so I think the first thing to do is to seek out you know trained and credentialed eating disorder clinicians and I mean I can go off about that but 
I think it's really important to make sure that whoever you're seeking help from has the has the education, has the credentials to really help you. And that's because with eating disorders, they're and eating, like they're really serious. And if you don't go to somebody who knows what they're doing, you know, I don't think it's going to be productive. I might end up making it worse. And <laughs> I think this was like maybe two years ago. And if one of my friends listens to this, she's going to think it's hilarious. But she, act- when I was at work two years ago, and I remember this distinctly, she had showed me an Instagram profile and it was this girl who was giving eating disorder support. Like she was like marketing herself as like an eating disorder coach or a specialist or something like that. And when I was, I, you know, went onto her Instagram and I went onto her, whatever website she was having, because of course I needed to see what, what was going on. And she didn't have any credentials. It seemed as if she had her own personal lived experience. And now she thought that she'd be able to help others, which newsflash, that's not the way it works. Just because you went through something doesn't mean that you are qualified to help somebody go through that same process themselves. And you know, I actually messaged her on Instagram and I was really, I thought I was being nice compared to how I could have been. And she read the message and then she blocked me. And, you know, that was the end of that. But I think nowadays with social media too, you really just have to be careful with who you ask for help. So I say, first off, go to somebody who's credentialed and trained and, you know, somebody who, you know, will be validating. So, you know, seeking somebody who, is from that non-diet weight inclusive health at every size space can also really be helpful too because you would be surprised there are some eating disorder clinicians who also put on their profiles that they'll help you with weight loss and you can't do this you can't do both so yeah that's a good point I have I've stalked many uh, websites of I'll call them peers I suppose who uh, say they have like if they see clients one-on-one, like the list, like all the different clientele they see, and it will say like eating disorders and then like two bullets down weight loss or weight management. And you're right. That's just a conflict. Like even if they don't push on that person, both of those things, they likely don't have that haze weight inclusive anti-diet approach where it would be fully optimized for the person who has an eating disorder that needs that most likely. Right. But yeah, I would say that that's definitely somewhere to go for yeah. sure. I'm sure that there's, I'm sure there's stuff on college campuses that could be maybe helpful. I don't know. I never seeked it out myself. So I don't actually know what's, what's on there with on college campuses to help out. But, you know, there's nowadays with social media, it's, you know, I guess it's a good thing and a bad thing that being able to search for help is there, but also, you know, looking on, um, I think like the National Eating Disorder website, they have, they definitely have, you know, um, providers and stuff like that, that you can look into helping. Um, I know that EDRD Pro is another site that you can look on and they have a whole list of eating disorder dietitians that, that can definitely help you out. So just looking at that could be helpful. Yeah. And we can link those below as well. We'll Mm -hmm. do that in our show notes. Well, Allison, those were our big, like jarring questions on the topic. We like to always ask our listeners if there's anything else that we didn't ask that you felt was really important on this topic that you wanted to share, or do you feel like we did good covering the bulk of it? I think if I was just going to say one last thing, it's that, you know, eating disorders, disordered eating, mental health in general is just so stigmatized. And I feel like it's not talked about enough because people are shame like they they feel shameful or they feel like maybe they're not sick enough and they just don't feel like they deserve the help but regardless of where you are like you deserve that help and I think that it's important to really remember that and believe that and the more that we talk about mental health the less shame there is attached to it the less stigmatized it becomes and you know, the better treatment you're going to be able to get. And I think that's why I am so open with kind of where I came from and all the mess ups and all the crap that I went through because, you know, it's kind of how I became the dietitian that I am. And even though I don't 
disclose to my clients, you know, my past. Mm-hmm. I just, because it's, I don't know, people have mixed feelings about that, but I mean, I don't yeah. do it, but it, you know, it's, it kind of just make, made me the person that, that I am. And I mean, that's, I'm cool with that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, that was a good way to wrap it up. I think if there was like one way to sum it up, that's the way to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, our listeners know, and now you get to finally partake in, uh, we always do a bonus question at the end where we sometimes cover like kind of heavy topics around here, especially like disordered eating, eating disorders. They're not always like light and butterfly and rainbows. So we try to like end with a really positive note and talk about a fun bonus question. So Allison, just to make sure before we get into the actual question, do you like cheeseburgers? <laughs> I do. I okay. Because <laughs> we've had incidents before where we kind of just like pick a random question and our guests are like, I don't even like, like that food. And we're like, well, drat, we'll have to pick, pick a new one. <laughs> so, okay, we'll go with it then. So our question, Allison, we'll let you go first as the guest. What is the best type of cheese in your opinion to put on a cheeseburger? Cheddar. Oh, wow. Confident. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you feel as though it's like the melting quality of it, the taste, both like what makes cheddar like such a confident choice for you? I don't really think it's necessarily the melting quality. I think it's the taste like there, in my opinion, there's nothing better than a bacon cheddar cheeseburger. Um, maybe it's because when I was younger, I never had them, but yeah, I, I think that cheddar is the way to go, but cheddar, not just on burgers. I think cheddar really on everything. Oh, except you're a cheddar girly. Mozzarella belongs on pizza, but <laughs> just cheddar on everything. True. <laughs> true. 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 Um, Emily, you know, I don't have a thought in my head about this because I want all the cheeses. So I'll let you go next. <laughs> I, so you're, I already know your answer too, but gonna, whatever. <laughs> you're going to hate me for this. But I prefer hamburgers. Mm-hmm. I knew it. Cheeseburgers because I don't like melted cheese. I, Allison, I'm lactose intolerant. It's a whole thing. But I still eat dairy. But something about melted cheese freaks me out. But I will note, I think I have to agree with cheddar because I was thinking, I was like, maybe Swiss, but the cheddar, Cold. like, I like, I, I don't. I don't know what that spectrum means about me, but I feel like sharp cheddar just has such a like nice taste to it. I'd probably like it if it didn't melt as much. Okay. So just like a block of cheese, like <laughs> I'd probably be happy I with mean, it. I mean, honestly, that would probably be really, really good too. I, probably, I mean, cheese is so good. All that yeah. extra calcium. Maybe. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I knew that was going to be your answer, Emily. I am surprised that you did pick a cheese though. All in I, all. I was going to choose a cheese. And then I remembered that I don't like melted cheese. Yeah. So you knew my answer before I did, but yeah. It's melted a- cheese on anything. So even like nachos or pizza or just, I like your, <laughs> your decision-making on this seems very random to outsiders. Like it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Hey, there's it's no judgment, pizza. no yeah. judgment coming from me. I like pizza that has minimal cheese mm-hmm. nachos. I like when it's like, I don't want to say fake cheese, but when it's like, like you think like of like baseball, cheese. okay, like game nachos. Like I would never like make it myself. Cause then it's too gooey. So like cheese sauce <laughs> poured onto the, like, okay. yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Which is like the ultimate melted cheese, but we'll, I, we'll just pass that. <laughs> there's no logic. <laughs> there's no logic, but it's okay. That's what makes yeah. you, makes you Emily. Yes. So um, Hannah, tell us your three cheeses. You're about I know. To choose. <laughs> Allison, my whole thing on this episode or this podcast is that I can't make decisions. I think it has to do with like, I'm an Enneagram nine. Do you know the Enneagram very well? I've heard of it. I've never done it myself, but I have heard of it. Well, the nine is like the peacemaker. We like everyone to be happy. We can't make decisions. We hate conflict. So when it comes to like favorites of anything, I can't pick. Um, so to appease you, you guys, I think cheddar sounds great. And I really do like cheddar cheese a lot. 
my go-to, like we always have, we do like homemade burgers. We always have Colby Jack on hand, but I would not argue it's like the best cheese to put on a cheeseburger. It's just a simple, easy, basic one. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had like a Gouda on a cheeseburger? I haven't, but I, I guess I'm kind of similar to Emily where I am. I, okay. So maybe not super similar because I really love cheese, but I'm really specific with the cheese that I like. And Mm -hmm. I honestly only like cheddar and Parmesan and mozzarella. And those are the three that I like. Okay. So yeah, I don't, not a really big fan of. Don't branch out far. I don't really branch out far when it comes to cheese. Yeah. You know what you like. I think that's yeah. good. I think that's yeah. good because then you don't have my brain where it's like, oh, I want like a little bit of this, a little bit of this. And you can't make up your decision. It's just I mean, I'm like thing. that with everything else, just not cheese. Okay. <laughs> that's good to know. I feel supported in this moment. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have an answer, guys. I mean, Gouda's really good. Yeah. Cheddar's really good. Cheese is just so good. And it's all melty and delicious. I love melted cheese. Emily and I are polar opposites on this one. Um. Okay. I have to pick one. I'm going to say just Colby Jack. Make it simple. It's what I always have. It works. Okay. <laughs> we learned a lot about each other. We did. <laughs> Allison, we always like to leave the listeners with an option to follow you along if they want to learn more from you. So this is your time to shine. You can plug anything your heart desires. <laughs> Social media, links, whatever you want them like if they want to hear more from you, or even if it's not you and you just want to plug something, <laughs> this is your time. So um, I tried to do the whole dietitian Instagram and I got super lazy and I just never ended up doing it. So if people want to find me, it's kind of like a mix of nutrition and my whole own personal thing. Um, so you can follow me on Instagram at Alice and Leia. Um, I'm sure you guys can just put it in the show notes like to find me, but (laughs) you'll actually, if you scroll back a little bit, like maybe like a year ago, you'll see that I actually got very into TikToks. Um, I was actually using TikTok to make my video and then I was posting them on my Instagram because I didn't want to post on TikTok. So a bunch of funny TikToks on there. I might get back to it. Um, but yeah, so you'll see that, um, I don't really have any other social medias. Maybe eventually I'll get into TikTok, but I was so adamant for so long not to do it. And then so I started realizing that making the real, I, I have to say that when the first reel I ever made, it took me an hour to do it. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I decided that I didn't want to do it anymore, <laughs> but, maybe, but maybe I'll do it again. Um, so that's really all I have in terms of if anyone ever is dying to work with me and I can be your dietitian, I do work for a private practice, um, Chloe Sereno Nutrition. So you could find me over there if you're looking for nutrition counseling. Um, but other than that, I'm, I'm just really on Instagram. Okay. We'll link it all below. Hopefully we all get to see some Allison reels. That'd be amazing. <laughs> Yeah. They are kind of funny. I do have to say, but I do have to say that the two of you with your reels, Hannah, you have me dying sometimes. <laughs> oh, I love that. Love Thank you. Reels. I I feel like maybe it was like a month or two ago, but like the the reels that you just started stringing along, I think I just like laughed at all of them. <laughs> It was so funny. Oh, uh, well, thanks. I really do try very hard. So that comment means a lot to me. <laughs> but the both of you, like it, it is really funny. So maybe eventually yeah. do it. It's fun. It really does. Like the, the first few you make takes far too long and you're like, this is yeah. stupid. But Emily and I can crank out a video in like 10 seconds now if we need to. Like it just gets yeah. so much easier. Yeah. So yeah. totally worth it. It's fun to express yes. your thoughts on the internet sometimes. No, it is. I, people have mixed feelings about this, but I thoroughly enjoy having an argument with somebody on the internet. <laughs> I do. You are, you're built for the internet. You we need, need to, to hire you as our social media manager like, too. Because... I, I have no issues with it. Eventually, if it gets to be too much, I, I will block the person. But yeah. I, especially now that I do have my credentials to back me up, I'm just like, back up. 
like transition. I had an argument in my DMs a month ago with some some idiot about um the oh, me promoting the the obesity epidemic. Um, yep. Daily basis. And uh, I actually sent that. I was just typing stuff out and I actually screenshotted the conversation. I sent it to Chelsea and I was oh. like, you would find this funny. So he never responded to me. So it's like, wow. okay. That's how I you think know. You that's how him. you won. Yeah. You got, yeah. you got them if they don't respond. Right. Or if they keep going. <laughs> it's just insane to me. And then there was somebody else. And this is when I was posting TikToks on my Instagram, but someone was like shaming the fact that I was promoting having snacks. I'm just like, Fuck you. Like, don't take away the snacks. Like, literally anything you could ever say on the internet about nutrition or really any topic, someone will find a reason to fight it. It's absolutely absurd. I know. It's like, well, everyone thinks that they are a nutrition professional. They all eat. So, exactly. They all eat. So, I guess they all know what they're doing. Yeah. Who needs dietitians? (laughs) Right. Uh, Well, Allison, it has been a pleasure. Thank you for coming on it's going to be such a good episode for our listeners, especially those who maybe are either going into college. We have a lot of listeners in like the 18 to like 24 Mm -hmm. age group. So, um, I'm sure there's plenty like us who maybe are going through that and don't even know it. So hopefully this reaches those ears. I think that'd be so helpful. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. And, and yeah, thank you guys. Well, thank you guys for listening so much. And we will, See you next week. Emily, any parting words? I kind of just like ended our episode. (laughs) That was much faster than I normally go. So we'll end it now before it keeps going on. (laughs) All right. Have a good day, everyone. Bye guys. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in on this episode of the Upbeat Dietitians with your host, Emily Krause and Hannah Thompson. We appreciate you all so much for continuing to support us. In order to support us and sustain the success of this podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. If you'd like to provide us feedback for future episodes and guest stars, follow us on Instagram at The Upbeat Dietitians. Lastly, you can show us support by providing a monthly donation using the link at the end of our bio. Once again, thank you so much for listening today and stay tuned next Wednesday for a new episode. Until then, we hope you have a wonderful rest of your week.